The Incomparable Number 215 October 2014 Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And tonight we're going to be talking about uh, – this is really like part two of something we did a few weeks ago, which was the best and worst of Star Trek. When we, The story is in episode 200, I realized I was a big Star Trek fan, and my podcast was almost entirely about Star Wars. So I thought I would rectify that by doing some episodes about Star Trek. We did a best and worst of Star Trek episode. It was a lot of fun. People really reacted well to it and said, I hope you're going to do more of those. And the answer is yes, we are going to do more of those. This, in fact, is one of those things that is the more – of the anyway, it's part two of the best and worst of Star Trek. I have an excellent panel here, uh, very similar to the one I had before, with the addition of the person who came up with this idea in the first place and didn't show up for the last one. Uh, so, or I guess his internet was really bad for the last one, so he wasn't here. But he's here tonight. That's Moises Chuyan. Hi, Moises. Not again, Jason. The line must be drawn here. Yeah. This All far, right. no further. <laughs> and I will make you pay for what you've done. Moises, you've broke your little ships. Uh, also, Scott McNulty, host of The Incomparable's own Random Trek, is here, as you would only expect. Hi, Scott. Use the force, Luke. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I believe I quote Darth Vader when I say, No! <laughs> Guys, let's talk about our favorite Ubies. No. <laughs> you heard that voice you heard was Tony Sindelar. Hi, Tony. Hello, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Is that your new sign-on? Uh, it's just uh, going to be hello, nerds every time? I use that one a lot in real life, so let's uh, let's bring it to the internet. Foremost so. representative and uh, proponent of Star Trek Voyager on the planet, perhaps, is Brianna <laughs> Wu, and she is back. Hello. What's crackalacking? Everything you love. I will destroy today and everything you hate. I will argue for until you lose your mind. That is my mission. And then we will I'm leave ready. the arena as friends. Well, no, I say we solve it. Okay, arena destroy the arena. Time. The arena's gone. Right. Oh man, I'm the guy in the big rubber lizard suit, aren't I? Oh, uh, it could be. Don't <laughs> Always. And David, Always. L- David Lore is here. You just heard him. Hi, David. Oh, hi. Oh, my. <laughs> Set. Say, okay, so I'm going to do my George Takei that I didn't do when we did our George Takei uh, bonus track, which is San Francisco. I was born there. That's my favorite Sulu line. <laughs> Target my explosion of joy and fire. Uh, okay, so here's how what we're going to do. We, this is not a draft. This is more of a, a debate club or a discussion club. I'm going to ask people for their opinions. In this case, we're going to get a lot of people who are going to uh, probably agree with specific things and sort of sign on to what that, that person said. And if you want to do that, that's just fine. I anticipate that will happen because in some of these uh, cases, there aren't that many choices. So it'll be an interesting conversation about various aspects of Star Trek. Uh, and we're going to start with series because that's not controversial at all. Uh, and what I've asked my, my panelists to do is tell me what they think the best Star Trek series is. I know. I know. And we're going to start... <laughs> with tony tony what do you think the best star trek series is oh man um don't screw it up i will oh no oh, <laughs> no pressure I'm so confident until then scott mcnulty this whole episode could eater. go wrong um i will go with the thing that i said on an episode of random trek so that i don't get caught in some kind of time loop um i will say that the best series is deep space nine it is not my favorite series but i will i will put forward that it is the best series 
All right. Do you, would you like to talk about that a little bit? This isn't a draft, so I would I would love for you to, to explain why, and then we. Can, I wasn't I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Yeah, we can Scott sign in and attack me, or, or yeah. uh, <laughs> that'll know, happen. Later. Build some kind of makeshift cannon out of bamboo or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you chose so, wisely. Yes, thank thank you, Scott. <laughs> um, that means I chose the same thing as Scott. Um, exactly. Yes, yeah, I know how it works. <laughs> um, so I will put forward Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek, but I will put forward that best uh, Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek uh, in terms of the quality of the primary and secondary characters, uh, and perhaps most of all the multi-episode arcs throughout the later series that really kind of just keep you going and, and have uh, a level of storytelling that's not really present in some of the earlier Star Treks, where they have uh, these storylines that go on and on and on and are interesting and pull you in. And you know, some people don't like Deep Space Nine as much because it, it's a very kind of dark depiction of the future where uh, lots of people are at war and your heroes are doing things that are uh, not necessarily very nice and there's there's torture and there's intrigue and there's spying and there's conspiracy uh, but I find all those fascinating and great uh, and I think that it makes it kind of the deepest and most interesting of the Star Treks. Well, it's got deep in the name, so it's totally it, right there. Yeah, it's also space given. <laughs> yeah. And nine, well, we needed a number so it sounded future it's, right? it's the biggest digit. Yep. Take that. Other Space Station K7. <laughs> yeah. Babylon 5, take that. Yeah, Babylon right. 5, worst oh, Star Trek series, eight. can we agree? Four, better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I think Deep Space Nine, one of the things that's in, interesting about it is people really remember the latter part of the run where they really yeah. did embrace the story arc and go dark. The first few years are not so much that, I think. The well, characters you can say there. that about the first few years of several Star Trek series. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, that was that was when that kind of our story arc storytelling came to the fore, was in the last, like, three years of Deep Space. So I think we got a little bit of a taste of that. Even, I think, early on, there was a, uh, a season break where they had a three-parter, and it was like... Ooh, that it took it up a notch in terms of you know we we had a couple two parters here and there in uh, in next gen, but it it seemed clear early on that they were going to do some longer longer form stuff. So that was exciting. I think I think Deep Space Nine has some of the very best Star Trek that's ever been made, but I also think it's all over the map. I, I just in tone in who the characters are in what the plot lines are in what just the feel of the show is, um, and I think the experimental episodes just. Really, even in the the vein of Star Trek episodes that just don't care and like really go for it, I mean, it really has some that are wildly out there. So, I, I definitely think it's the most experimental Star Trek. I actually got really down. This is a bad timing example. I got really mm-hmm. down on Deep Space Nine right before they really kicked their story arc storytelling into gear, mm-hmm. and I I got I, I dropped out and I stopped watching. And I I believe I haven't even seen like the last couple of years of Deep I Space Nine. I did not actually wow. watch it while it was airing. Um, wow. that. um I loved Next Gen, and I loved Next Gen was like my favorite thing ever. Um, as as like a teenager growing up. And basically, when when Deep Space Nine started and when Voyager started, I was just angry that they were not more next gen. And there's even there's little weird, you know, in the first episode of Deep Space Nine, Picard has like a cameo, and like one of the first things we learn about Cisco is that he doesn't like Picard. And I was like, I'm so angry. That's not believable. Everyone loves him. He's the best. I don't want to watch this whole show. Uh, but I went back to it uh, later after it had all wrapped up, and I, I've watched it all the way through twice. 
Uh, and I think it's I, I think it's really great. But uh, you know, for a long time, it was like after I watched The Wire, I was basically angry at every television show for not being <laughs> The Wire after that. And that was wow. you know, like sixteen year old Tony was basically angry that everything else was not Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, and even Voyager and Deep Space Nine were not close enough. The episode that killed me for Deep Space Nine was actually Past Tense, which is from the third season. Mm. And it is a mm-hmm. shameless ripoff of City on the Edge of Forever, I yeah. feel. They go back in time. Mm-hmm. It, it is, yeah. And I hated it. I mean, I reacted so negatively to it. That, like, that's it. I, for, I, I forget it. I'm not going to even bother. And uh, I watched Babylon 5 and uh, forgot about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I am slowly watching, actually, Deep Space Nine now uh, from the point at which I gave up. And, um, I, you know, I, I have learned to forgive now. But it took, it, it took <laughs> I've, years. I've, I've got to say, the thing that I liked about Past Tense is that I felt like it was a better ripoff of Harlan Ellison's original script than the actual uh, City no. Forever was. <laughs> sorry. No. I'm sorry. Zing. I, I thought, I don't know, I like Past Tense. That's up there as one of my episodes that I really enjoy. I mean, it's got some, I mean, it's got that kind of dystopian uh, commentary where, you know, the, the near future is not going to be so great, right? Um, but Yeah, and yet it, it was, you know, near, map, yeah. near future I mean, that's to not... the depression, and it was like so close to just being like, hey, that was a good episode, let's do that again, and it just seemed like a ripoff to me. That, that, that infuriated me. I was in, what, college, grad school, whatever. I was, I was, I was young, and I was an angry young man. Uh, I mean, young, sorry, foolish. angry young fan. I, I can't relate to that at all. Oh. Yeah, something like you that. You were angry that it wasn't Harlan Ellison. Maybe. He you know makes what? People Harlan angry. Ellison was angry that everything's not Harlan Ellison. Yeah. That's, That's true. ML. No, I think, uh, I think DS9 <laughs> has – my problem with DS9 is so many of the characters are you – know, like the entire Ferengi subplot is just – I cringe every single time because Quark is – I understand his purpose as a foil, but he's so thoroughly unlikable in like his drama with Nog. It's just, you know, it's, it's, (laughs) again, I understand the metaphor. You don't love the lovable interplay between Quark and and Odo? That really? I I do like that. I do like that. The other stuff, yeah, we don't, let's not, you know, it's like, Quark is a lovable scoundrel. You're money grubbing. You hate women. Right. right, We don't really need another episode where we explore that. What? We're going to have an episode (laughs) on the Ferengi homeworld? Whose (laughs) idea was this? But it's not just that. I think like they also, um, I think Major Kira takes, uh, I didn't warm up to her until probably season two. And I don't know if it was, like it took a while for the scripts to really show her human side, but I don't know. I found her to be really two dimensional in the first season. I think that improved as the show went along. But a lot of the I characters are pretty rough. Yeah, on. yeah. She was uh-huh. she, but she was drawn more. Um, I, to to Brianna's point, I, for me, more just uh, as shallow as humanly possible. She mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. was a functional character rather than a. Uh, I won't say human being because I mean that would be offensive and racist. Um but she 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 was not a person of depth until we got into the later seasons which bothered me and I disliked the character mostly because it didn't feel like a character. It felt like it was right. a it was a a functional uh, a plot device. And I don't know yeah, if some of that was because like it was supposed to be Ensign Rowe, right? And then they couldn't get yeah. her yeah. so they made a new character right. and like they kind of forgot to write stuff for that new character because they thought they were going to be able to just slot an existing character in. But but yeah, either way, it, it, there there's issues there. We'll add depth later. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that in post. Well, they did. <laughs> Eventually. Right? Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, they 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 got a, an episode where uh, she and Chief O'Brien got really uh, really uneasy about how much oh they my. both enjoyed him rubbing on her. Oh my! Which oh uh, dear. To, to plug oh my. my appearance on Random Trek is <laughs> looking yeah, for Parmok in all the wrong places. That's not good. That's that not is good. not a good episode. Not good. That intersection of Ferengi <laughs> episodes and Klingon episodes. And no, not, that is not a place to buy. Real and uncomfortable <laughs> O'Brien episodes too. We yeah. don't need but more you know what? I like those. I I love. All of the things that have to happen to Chief O'Brien. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Tortured for many decades. You know what? I love Chief O'Brien. He's the best. And I actually I feel bad that he gets horribly maimed all the time. He's psychologically destroyed and, and har- Smiley. He's harassed by an alternate version of himself warning him for the future. Yep. I mean, he suffers for all of us. He gets separated from his wife. He, he's the Kenny oh. of Deep Space Nine. He's the Christ figure of Deep Space Nine. I should throw in that my pick was also Deep Space Nine. That, uh, that is correct. <laughs> as as <laughs> much right. as much of a next generation uh, devotee as as I am, I, I watched that show uh, from from a young age when it began until it ended, and it was it was a very big thing for me. For me, Deep Space Nine, um, the experimental stuff that I got into, even when it wasn't necessarily TV at its best or even Star Trek at its best, it didn't it didn't feel as much based on a similar template of something that had come before and that not knowing what was necessarily going to come next where um, I think it was, it was um, this is a a tip of my hand to something that I'm going to mention later, but uh, the episode that is the Les Miserables episode um, just came out of left field for me where there's this whole Valjean and Javert uh, thread going through it. And the the thing about the series was that it ran straight at some of those things that, if, if it were played a little bit differently, could be considered a bit too on the nose or trying a bit too hard. And it ended up working. And it was it was like watching a uh, a disparate grouping of amazing theater actors getting to work together in in ways that we hadn't gotten in a Star Trek series up until then. And that was that was fresh enough and different enough for me um, that I I was I was absolutely devoted to it. And it going serialized in later seasons only doubled my interest in paying attention to it. I can go along with that just because it it, it seemed to have like the most interesting guest casting. It was it was oh, a really God. well cast series. And that's exactly right. It's it's very much a theater kind of uh, uh both in terms of casting and in terms of the writing there's there's a little more of this theatrical drama and and part of that is just because they were able to build and enrich and elaborate so there's a lot of love for deep space nine here and i agree it's a good show can Except i for me. can i can i okay <laughs> oh, Jason. can you rip it right, to shreds right. but, but it's not but my favorite show can can i offer some or, things i think are against it as far yeah, as it yeah. being the best yeah. star trek series um i think cisco did a good job at i i feel like he did a really unique spin on captain and i think we'll probably touch on him for best captains if we get to that that said i think as far as being an icon I think on this list of all the captains, I think he and Archer are kind of tied for the least interesting captain as a character. Um, I know every time it was like, ooh, the emissary, and it got into this mysticism part of it. It just, it went to a place I couldn't go to. It's like a science fiction fan. Hmm. Um, I think aesthetically, I know when I watch Star Trek, I'm looking for the artists that kind of create this world to create a really cool aesthetic. 
Um, when I see TNG, I see gorgeous work. When I see Voyager, I see gorgeous work. It's because it's the same work as TNG. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> and I find the world of Deep Space Nine, meaning, you know, the, the architecture of the space station and the interiors and even the Defiant, I think it's the least appealing visual Star Trek world. And I also think that with the ships and characters that they brought into the series over the life of it, I think it's some of the weak work in an artistic sense. And I, was, I think it was, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I would suggest that some of that is like intended to be uh -huh. that way, right? Because the the station is supposed to be this Cardassian thing and it's very drab. And sure. I guess it's it's harder to defend the Defiant, except that perhaps it's a it's a military vessel and therefore it's right. not, you know. But yeah. So I, I think there's that. Um I think that there are, you know, something I look for is strong female characters. And I think that definitely exists on the show. I think Major Kira holds her own with anyone. I think the treatment of Dax in later seasons was extremely problematic yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know i felt like i feel like there are other star treks that represent women better than deep space nine did at times hmm. all right before we continue let's take a break and do a sponsor break our sponsor this week on the incomparable is smile makers of text expander now text expander touch three comes with a custom keyboard for ios lets you expand your custom keyboard shortcuts at last so frequently used text snippets that you've got on your iphone or ipad can automatically be expanded to amazing lengths using the custom keyboard that's a part of text expander touch 3 you may be used to this on your mac where if you use text expander on your mac you can wire it up so you type a few characters and amazing things uh, expand automatically it's a, a great macro utility problem was always Getting it everywhere on iOS. The custom keyboards in iOS 8 finally let you do this, and Text Expander Touch 3 has you covered. Expand your abbreviations in all the Apple apps that were previously inaccessible mail, Safari, messages, all of those. Use the new keyboard. You can expand your abbreviations there. You can sync your snippets across OS 10 and iOS via Dropbox. You can save time typing on that little ios keyboard by having auto expansion using text expander touch 3 and smile software respects your privacy there's a whole blog entry on their website at smilesoftware.com explaining what's about that scary full access warning to reassure you that they're not reading your keystrokes and doing anything untoward with them because this is one of the things with all of these new iOS custom keyboards. But Smile respects your privacy. You can go on their website and read their blog entry about what they're asking for. So here's the deal. Visit smilesoftware.com slash incomparable. That's smilesoftware.com slash incomparable. That'll let them know that we sent you and check out all of their great utilities, but most specifically, Text Expander Touch 3 on iOS 8 with a custom keyboard. So at long last, no matter what app you're in, you can auto-expand your snippets and get more work done on your iOS device faster. And thank you so much to Smile and Text Expander Touch 3 for sponsoring The Incomparable. David Lohr, do yes. you have a choice for best series? I do indeed. Um, and it is not Deep Space Nine. Well, that'll as, make this more interesting then. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> as much as I love it, and I do love it. But if you think about it, Next Generation took uh, about three seasons to get good. Deep Space Nine took about three seasons. Voyager, Enterprise even took yep. three seasons. 
There's only one show that nailed it right off the bat. And then took three seasons to get bad. And a movie. Exactly. Five. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's the first reason I picked the original series. The second reason is I can watch it over and over and over and over again. And I can watch it in any order I want, pretty much. I don't have to have all the backstory. And thirdly, if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have four other series to talk about. Mm. You know, that fandom, that whatever the lightning in a bottle they caught, even in just the first two seasons, whatever that was, was so powerful that it kept it alive for 10 years without any new content, unless you count the animated series. I like the animated series. Um, well, if you like it so much, maybe years. you should pick it. Hey, well, yeah. <laughs> not, not that. Well, the other great things no. we wouldn't um, have. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we we wouldn't still be talking about it 45 years later. We wouldn't have hundreds of novels and comic books and 12, 12 movies, 12 movies, and uh, an apocryphal uh, animated series. There's something about that, just that basic concept that works, yep. and everything is judged against it. You know, Deep Space Nine is to boldly stay where no one has stayed before. You know, Voyager is basically... Let's do the original again, just in a new part of space that we haven't explored. Uh, the next generation is, let's do the same thing. You know, Enterprises, we've never been out here before. Let's do the same thing. So, you know, without that that at the heart, we wouldn't have anything else. So, I, I would argue, in fact, that that if you look at the casting of all successive Star Trek series, and they all have their strengths, um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're all really trying to recapture that Kirk, Spock, McCoy magic. And I would argue yep. that none of them do. They all have their oh, strengths, yep. but I think none of them manage to nail. Because, again, I think it's one in a million. And that's why Star Trek survived is because they got that one in a million with those characters. And and I'm I'm with you there, too. This would be my choice as well, partially because it's sentimental and I grew up with it. And partially it's because, yes, all of them are watchable. I love the I love the aesthetic. I love the 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 fan shows, the the Star Trek continues and all of that that they make yeah. now with that yeah. with that set in southern Georgia that they built in a warehouse that looks exactly like the original. How many how many fan made next generations and Voyagers and Deep Space Nines are there? <laughs> You know, yeah, there yeah. there aren't. You know, it's the root. It's the root myth of uh, Star Trek. Is this is this yeah. stuff? I will say, I just watched uh, where no man has gone before, which is the second pilot and uh, of the original series, and I was amazed at how much they got in, like how much of the Star Trek mythos is there in the second pilot. Uh, yeah, Mc- it's McCoy's not there, formed. but right. it is fully formed. They do have much nicer, uh, comfy-looking uniforms. Yeah, so uh, I, they, they I, I get the impression <laughs> that they tried to wash them and they fell apart. And they're like, "No, we need new uniforms now." Yeah, the James R. Kirk. All right, velour. James R. Kirk is. Uh, yeah. Well, that just proves that Gary Mitchell wasn't perfect. Yeah, and the and the crazy they had the crazy like metal telescoping things off the captain's chair, and Spock <laughs> shouted a lot, and I don't know. I, 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 the women. I, I'm with. I mean, I know, this is episode. not to say that they are not hor. You know, there, there are so many horrible episodes of the original series, and yet I find them even generally watchable. Um, yeah, except and- the empath. <laughs> except the empath. I can't watch. I can no. watch Spock's brain till the cows come home. Yeah. Can't watch the empath. You can watch Spock's brain, man. Yeah. Uh, brain yeah. and brain. What is brain? Hey. It's super campy and fun. I, and stupid. I watched Neelix's lungs. I can yeah, watch yeah. Spock's brain. 
You can't watch them at the same time, though, because they're different parts Ooh. of the body. Uh, any other thoughts about uh, about the original series before I, I will save Voyager? that for? I will save my thoughts for worse series. All right, fair so, enough. We'll come back. That's a, once again we're teasing the future. We will not end. We will not. This the, the arena is going to be destroyed. Um, Engage trans warp drive. Jason, all right, take us to the future. Brianna, uh, all right, go ahead and pick Voyager. All right, look, I love Voyager. <laughs> I love Voyager. I love Voyager. I think people that hate Voyager are irrational. And I, I'm just okay. So I think there's several measures of what makes a good Star Trek. I think there's production values. I think there's story. I think there's character development. But I also think there's like like mathematical measures of it. Like what is the average quality of an episode? And I feel like if you look at TNG, there is a wild, wild, wild like fluctuation between like first season and the best of both worlds. Um, it's certainly true with TOS. It's true with DS9. Um, and I feel like by the time Voyager came along, I felt like they understood their production pipeline better to a point that there is a certain base level of quality to the episodes in the, the makeup and the special effects and the acting and, and frankly, the script quality that I think it's on average, there are very, very few episodes of Voyager. They're flat out unwatchable, in my opinion. Um, I like the characters more than any other Star Trek. I realize that's subjective, but I do think it has a much more diverse cast than many other Star Treks, um, yeah, which I enjoy. I also think that um, the epic battles that they went up against, like some of the Borg plot lines, were excellent. And I just love this entire series where they have an overarching storyline. And as they move towards this storyline, like you get more technology and you get deeper into these characters and, you know, Harry grows into more the insecure ensign. You know, Tom Paris grows into a father and a, you know, a loving husband instead of like this just reckless criminal. Spoiler alert um, for all the people who right. hate Voyager because they haven't seen it. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, they don't deserve to be alerted. Right, of course they don't. You could pretty much say anything. How about the people who hate it because they have seen it? As Worf would say, there is no honor in spoiler warnings. <laughs> you could say anything about the sixth and seventh seasons of Voyager, and there are people who would believe that, oh yeah, that was a plot? Wow, I'll go watch that. But that's, I mean, it doesn't matter how bad Star Trek gets. It's always a base level of enjoyment. So I have to tell right. you guys, when you say, oh, I bailed out of that at that point, that's hard for me to understand. Because even the worst Star Trek, like I feel like I've watched all the animated series because it's the canon and I want to understand it. So it may not be the canon, but. Okay. Well, you know what I mean. But, <laughs> but there are some it's not canon. <laughs> Something I wanted to throw in, in in Voyager's defense, one of the problems that it ran into was in some markets, the station that was carrying Paramount was going erratic. And part of the reason that I dropped out of it wasn't that I hated the show necessarily, though, like a lot of Trek fans at the outset, I was like, oh, Star Trek on, on, on Gilligan's Island. Great. Mm. But I actually watched the pilot. and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. What are, they, what are these bad reviews about? What's the deal with this? But then they started bouncing it around, and I I had trouble catching it. It wasn't as regular. It was it was not necessarily always the same night at the same time, the way oh. the TNG and Deep Space yeah. Nine were for me. And, of course, that got radically worse when Enterprise came around. Um, but I think that was something that it had unfairly going for it just because it was it was not always consistently airing in every single market around the country. Even... 
even the pilot it it the the pilot did not air where I lived. I had to drive to a friend's house in another state to watch the pilot. <laughs> and that was the first episode. Drive to disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a metaphor because he's traveling to far away and then he couldn't get back and then... <laughs> That's right. That took me seven years. Well done. It, was, it was fun. So so I'm not angry at the Voyager. I'm just disappointed in it. Because I think that it could have been great. Uh and sure, people can believe that it is great because, of course, you know, this is opinion. Uh, but it wasn't. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's unfortunate. But what specifically? I, what, I, I truly would like to understand what you find bad about it. Uh, other than the plots, the characters, and the concept, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, wow. Well... Yeah, I, I so, so I, what I think, and I was listening to your random Trek episode, Brianna, and and you were talking about how you kind of uh, came to you came to Voyager without like a super encyclopedic knowledge of previous Star Treks, right? Is that accurate? That's correct. Absolutely. Okay. So I think your context of seeing Voyager as a clean slate was was very different from the context of of many people who had been watching since the first year of Next Generation. Right. For for me, mm. as somebody who'd been watching uh, Star Trek my, all my life, but especially watching this this um, Particularly, this production team produced this series of of, of shows. Um, I felt like the Voyager, especially um, a lot of the Brandon Brog episodes early on. I felt like they were um, sucking wind. That they literally, like they had they had been working on this sh- on Star Trek in various forms for more than a decade, and they had really run out of ideas. Were scraping the bottom of the barrel and were recycling mm-hmm. lots of old plots from old Star Trek series. So, which what, had been recycled a couple times before that already. Right. So, so, f- and and this was a theory I had when I was listening to your random Trek episode. Is I think maybe. Um, it was it was all new to you, and you didn't have that jaded feeling that I had, which is like, oh, good, Brandon Braga is writing another one of these episodes that he always oh. writes. Ron Moore is writing another <laughs> one of those episodes that he always writes. And maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's why the past tense episode in Deep Space Nine doesn't bother me because you know I've seen City on the Edge of Forever, but I probably haven't seen yeah. it five times. Yeah, right? so I, well, I, that's the, really the, well, the perspective yeah. of who, well, the the singular nature of people writing things is much more common in British TV, and the these Star Trek shows were all writers' room shows, so. Just because right. Ron Moore was credited as the writers, I mean, if it was a Klingon episode, yeah, he probably wrote every damn. Yeah, word. but and Brandon Braga always had a weird thing involving time, and uh, you know. But the point is, th- this is largely the same group of writers for like a decade, and any TV show that lasts a decade, uh, unless they totally turn over their writing staff, it's gonna, uh, you know, it's sort of. De- declines over time because they sort of done it all and they're trying to find ways to stay novel and that was my reaction to voyager when it was on was was not a problem with the characters although yeah harry kim's kind of boring and they do dumb things with chakotay but it was sort of like i felt like i i was expecting this show to be different because of the premise because they were getting them out of the well-trod area of deep space nine and next generation where we had seen everything and nothing was on the frontier anymore and i felt like what I got was a lot of rehashed Next Generation episodes, uh, which was a waste of the premise. So that that was where I came from when I was watching Voyager. I didn't watch the last, whatever, two or three years. So, you know, mm. again, this is something that is worth a Netflix revisit. But no, that, that was I where I came from. That's a really interesting opinion. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. When I when I got my hands on the DVDs uh, that, that my brother loaned to me, I dug into a lot of Things that people had picked out as really great Seven of Nine episodes because the way that they marketed her introduction to the series turned me off in 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 respect that it just it felt like they were going, hey, check it out. It's this girl in a body sock and isn't she awesome and isn't she gorgeous? 
And when I actually got to watch the episodes, she it it's it's the extension of the Hugh I Borg uh, thing from yeah. Next Generation, but with a remarkable amount of of depth that I couldn't have possibly imagined oh, because yeah. of course yeah. I hadn't seen yeah. the damn episodes. And I think that really is, uh, you know, uh, people, people with very strong opinions about it have their very strong opinions about it. I would say the majority of people that really slam on Voyager, it, it has to be that most of these people have not actually watched more than maybe half a season worth of episodes. Well, I would say you could watch a couple seasons and be disappointed, but it did last seven. <laughs> also, I was going to mention that I thought the Maquis thing was a really nice wrinkle, and somebody in the chat room just mentioned it. And that's one of those ways where it sort of disappointed me in that they're, they're a, in the in the uh, Neelix's Lung episode, you mentioned this on Random Trek. It's like four episodes yeah. in, and they're like a happy crew. And it's like, really? They're all buddies. That's yeah, like you threw all. away a really interesting character dynamic because you're afraid you're going to have conflict. It's it's I just and and again that doesn't mean the show wasn't good it means that I was set up for disappointment because I had expectations that were not that were not met no I, th- I think that's yeah. really fair I think that's really fair I, I do have to say it's just an argument for it I think something that really disappointed me about Enterprise is I felt like artistically and aesthetically I think that show failed I think like the look of the uniforms is bad. I don't think the yes. NX design is particularly good. Oh, you just hate pockets um, is what you mean. Like, <laughs> and jumpsuits. I, I feel like Voyager, even like if you disagree with the plots and all that, I think it is a really superb Star Trek aesthetically. I think the Voyager is the most beautiful Star Trek ship, except for maybe the Prometheus and a few other designs. I think... Uh, if you just look at the special effects in the series, I think they're they're uniformly better than anything except for the movies. And I just think week to week it had a strong production value. Because like you said, Jason, I'm looking at it in reverse. So I look at TOS and it's really hard to look past you know, the editing of the Gorn scene, which is a joke, you know, <laughs> or, or some of the some of the makeup, which is frankly awful and to me it's kind of hard to get past that limited production value as you go backwards like the cg in the first few seasons of tng it's it's not even well it's not cg it's just models but yeah well like the encounter at farpoint like you know that has a cg net out there it's some thongs that they oh well that's terrible right that's that's almost it was almost entirely model work and yeah that was the that was not good that the (laughs) q's cg fishing net thing from space uh scott do you have uh are you signing on to one of these series as 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 the best or do you have another choice uh well i mean i think that deep space nine is the best series um but i've talked about this before on i think the best series and then the one that you hold dearest to you which might not be the best one uh and for me, that is The Next Generation, because that's when I first started watching Star Trek, and I got turned on to it. Uh, and so when I think Star Trek, I think Jean-Luc Picard, I think Riker, uh, and, you know, Deanna Troy, and Crusher. These are the characters who mean Star Trek to me. Uh, so I will, I will, since Tony picked DS9, and even though this is not a draft, I will, I will wave the flag of The Next Generation uh, for bringing back all of the hope and uh, the promise that was in Star Trek. And if you get past the first season, uh, it's good. <laughs> well, and, and pioneering yeah. a lot of things that became staples of DS9 and Voyager that followed it, the cliffhanger episodes, the, uh, the, the not necessarily entirely self-contained stuff, not going all the way to the serialization that came late in Deep Space Nine, and then we got bits of in Voyager and uh, not 
very well executed bits of it in Enterprise. Um, there, there were there were things that Next Generation inducted into the Star Trek fabric that, granted, Roddenberry was around for a good enough chunk of Next Generation, but he was uninvolved enough to a point that the writers' room actually got a chance to introduce some some dangerous concepts. And of course, in the case of Best of Both Worlds, something that they thought they were all getting fired and, well, we're probably not going to have to figure out a way to get out of this or where to go after this, so uh, screw it. Good luck to the next guy. Um, and as a result of that kind of throwing caution to the wind, ended up doing this stuff that, that made people love the show, where staying safe and just trying to do nothing but retread TOS as they tried repeatedly and poorly in the first couple seasons just wasn't working. Some of the failures that they saw in next generation are the reason that the series that came after it uh, existed. So I, I wouldn't be able to pick deep space nine if it weren't for next generation. I mean, it, it came along and, and really cemented it as an industry to say, it's not just a bunch of people writing books and comic books and trying to keep it alive. It's like, no, there's an audience for this and they want more and they want even more. Yeah, just to play devil's advocate, I I would actually rank TNG as probably the second worst of any of them. Oh yeah, I know my that's God. sacrilege. Oh, no. I so know so that's Brianna's sacrilege. list is the opposite of mine, <laughs> right. essentially. <laughs> Brianna is mirror universe. Yes, Jason. Yes, that's or right. matter <laughs> and antimatter, Jason. <laughs> I'm gonna grow a beard. Wait, which one of you is the good one? Oh, that's definitely Jason. That's that's right. Who's wearing a sash? Then we'll know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's who's got an agony booth? I feel like because TNG is a product of the 80s, just like you can look at Voyager as very much a product of the, the 90s. And I feel, I feel like, look, do you know when you tune into like an 80s action movie, you're kind of surprised by how trusting and gleeful and like believing of authority like the people in it it's like there's a cheery trust that's there that's a little maudlin. And do you know what I mean? Like there's a that kind of B-movie quality to it. And I feel like that really exists throughout TNG. And I feel like if you're not watching it, having actually watched it at the time, I think you look back at it and it's in this weird zone between, like, TOS is so campy that you kind of, like, just laugh at it because it's a it's an example of, like, 60s camp. And it's almost entertaining and it's so sexist sometimes. And then you have, like, you go all the way forward, and Enterprise is more serious. Like, it's full-on drama. And I feel like because it was made in the 80s, it's in this in-between era of that. Does that make sense to you? Like, it's it's kind of a little cheesy at times? It, it, it's, it, it does have some really weird tone shifts where it goes super goofy one episode and then goes, you know, if we don't get this treaty through, the universe is doomed. And there's going to be war, which we're not going to do in this series. We'll leave that for Deep Space Nine, a series that that openly courts conflict and actual emotions and breakdowns of diplomatic stuff. We live in a utopian bubble where there's nothing wrong and we don't even have money. We all have, yeah. you know, everything's great. There's probably nothing on the fringe that's different than this. Every, yeah, you know. It's hard to pick apart the <laughs> fact that the, the original series was first and it was in the 60s and the next generation was in the 80s yeah. and early 90s. And and that by the time these other series, I mean, these series were built on the backs of those shows, but at the same time, they were able to evolve and go beyond the basic scope of Gene Roddenberry. And that makes them difficult to calibrate because you know i i yeah. again i would i would say that if next generation hadn't succeeded next generation is the show that has in some ways the uh second biggest hold on popular culture in that people really like that was a breakout hit 
uh, right. across a broad spectrum of people. But it also was the you know, 80s dentist office bridge and all of those things. And, and was Gene Roddenberry's hand was on it. And you can feel that the, the everything's perfect and we wear jumpsuits. When, when they started to pry his fingers up after he sort of pulled back. That's when he got good. That's when it got good. And I mean, a Star Trek, just like any science fiction, is best when it's reflecting the culture that it's in. So, right, right. I mean, this, the original series deals with many things that people were thinking about in the 60s. And it was a very progressive show for the 60s, right? And and uh, the next generations of its time, they're all of its time. So it's hard to to knock a show because it was made 45 years ago. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and I, I mean, I've been looking at this for, for a while now. Just, you know, TV in general has, I mean, there's a real growth of sophistication and storytelling and style. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know. Um, so I can, I can sort of step back and go, yeah, it's, it's, they're wearing pajamas, it's cardboard sets, but I just look past that. Like when I see the, the new, uh, remastered episodes of the original series with the fancy effects and the, the planets that look realistic and the, the swooping camera shots, and it doesn't look right because it doesn't match the rest of the, the aesthetic. It's, it's good. It's well done. They did a great job, but it's not right. It doesn't look right. I don't, I don't mind you know, I don't mind the the cheesiness of it because it's just it's it's the story. I you know, but there's a the the story like you can look at the best of TLS like which would be Wrath of Khan, which I know is a movie, but that was their best story. And you can look at the best of TNG, which is best of both worlds, or the best of you know Voyager. And there's a certain timelessness to the conflict and the acting and you completely buy into that universe. What I guess my message right. is, is as I watch TNG, I feel like they're acting the same way when I watch an eighties cop show, it feels like acting. Huh. And I, I think at it's best. I don't feel that way, but I feel that way a lot when I watch it. So. Although I, I would say <sighs> I, I wouldn't pick either one of those as the best episodes of either one. Right. Let's okay. We gotta we gotta we gotta move on. Um, Moises, Moises, you already stipulated DS nine. If 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 I could, the the one thing that I had prepared that I wanted to say about Deep Space Nine is brief. Okay, it's actually a response to uh, to something that got thrown slung at me. I'll say in the chat room just now. Uh, I have been constantly accused of not being a real Star Trek fan because I love Deep Space Nine. Uh, and this is this is something that I I take head on as very much the reason that I like Deep Space Nine so much is that the things that that uh, a lot of people stand by as well Roddenberry would not have liked huh. this show period end of yeah. story because the future is a utopia and isn't it going to be great in the future when there is no conflict and uh, no conflict does not an interesting story make the Wrath of Khan is not a goes back to zero story. If you if you cite the the kind of classic things that are the best examples of Star Trek and things from TOS and everything, really the the best things from TOS that people cite all the time are the times when it broke pattern and actually made a substantive change for the ongoing uh, the ongoing mythos. Sometimes I think people get into this Roddenberry cult of Roddenberry, and what they're really citing is the uh, first season of the Next Generation, which is not yeah. uh, does not match up with the original series in most cases either. 
Um, but that's also, I mean, yeah, that, that nobody gets to tell anybody how to be a fan or yeah. what their fandom is. That just is not allowed. Unless you accidentally pick like Sequest as your favorite. Star um, Trek. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> then you're out. But then you're yeah. probably not a Star Trek yeah. fan. That do- Ensign Darwin is yeah. my favorite character. I like that. Yeah, I like the, I like the dolphin. He's my favorite <laughs> yep. character. Ensign Darwin, you mean. Ensign Darwin is a, he has a name, damn it, Tony. I do not know his name. I'm a real Star Trek fan. Okay. I he, and he just wants to understand what it is to be human. That's why right. I hate dolphins. It's one of those. It's definitely. Yeah. Uh, racist. No, but, but when when it when yeah. it really comes down to it, the the reason that I love Deep Space Nine so much is that uh, you know the 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 things that I mentioned a minute ago about it not being not being afraid to keep you off guard and have characters that were not perfect uh, echoes of characters that came before in Next Generation or TOS, even in cases where unfortunately that that led to them being cardboard for a while, like Kira. Um, that you didn't necessarily know what to expect and different turns that different characters might take, uh, whether it was guest stars or core series characters when it came to major conflicts that would erupt or divided loyalties or just the, the fact for me, the deep space nine was the first series to really have an ongoing character like Garak in it for me is what cemented it as, you know what this, this is the one that, We'll see what happens after, and there are lots of things I like about what came before, but that was interested in telling compelling stories that that decided that it was okay to turn conflict on its head and everything didn't have to be black and white, Cold War, good evil. All right, I am going to stipulate uh, the original series uh, as as David did, and say that my second would like at, like Scott would have been uh, the next generation. So totally mirror of Brianna. Uh, so let's let's very quickly because we are going to run out of things to argue about if we don't argue faster. Um, talk Why about did we start with series. So let's Why? talk about the let's talk about the uh, the worst <laughs> the worst series. We'll just let's just throw a bomb and walk away. Quite frankly, tell us why, and then we'll just move on to the next one. But I'm going to let Brianna go first here. So throw it, go it, go go give stab me I, to I the heart. Go do it. Understand? I don't understand how a reasonable adult can feel the TLS <laughs> is the best series. It is so bad. Let's, let's flash back to when okay, I picked Captain right. Kirk as my favorite character, right, and I heard right, you gasp right. audibly. <laughs> <laughs> His second favorite character is misogyny. Okay, look, just yeah. just mathematically, mathematically, and let me say, my husband is fourteen years older than I am. I have watched every episode of TLS a lot. Okay, like I come home, he's watching. I thought it. you were going to just start at stop at fourteen years old. Right. Okay. <laughs> he That's loves Enterprise. Right. That's about right, actually. Um, no, and I've seen these episodes a lot, like more against my will frequently, mm. and. I'm amazed by how bad the average episode of TOS is. And I mean, there are some really good episodes, like City on the Edge of Forever, Balance of Power. Like when it's good, it's really good. But, you know, like the the editing is uneven. The special effects are bad. The editing, I, you can't say enough bad things about the editing. Like <laughs> who edited the Gorn fight? Who in their right mind edited that? When what world was that exciting? That guy was paid entirely in gin. Yep, the, the corn fight, one of one of the most iconic fights in Star Trek. I, yeah, right, absolutely. Because it's so bad. Imagine how bad everything else was that this was good at that point. 
I think the Gorn fight actually was a problem more with the coverage that they shot than the editing because it's like they got a guy who yeah. can't move in a big costume and then they got William <laughs> Shatner running around and they got Vasquez Rocks right. and they're like, I don't even know what to do with this. Right. I'm not sure the editor is at fault there. Anyway. <laughs> and yet it is iconic and I love it. So there. Ha! You know, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Yep. Oh. It is. It is. I was going to say, Brianna, you, the problem is you need to not watch this under duress. That that, that <laughs> will color your entire yes, experience. Yes. Shackles generally have an adverse effect yeah. on your opinion of something. They are, they are all good in their own way. I like all Star Trek, period. But I just, I think, like, as far as quality is the worst. There are also barely any women in TOS. And this is why I think the movies yeah. are so much better. Because they... You know, they bring these conflicts to the forefront. Um, I actually think Star Trek, um, whatever they call the new one they're making in that soundstage you were talking about, by introducing the counselor character, that raises my interest in the series very sharply. Um, But I just think it's it's so campy. It's so bad. It's it's I just I don't know how you can claim it's the best Star Trek. All okay. right, your 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 complaints are noted. Okay, <laughs> Scott, <laughs> duly noted. Scott, lay it on me. What what kind of universe am I in where someone is picks favorite series, uh, Voyager, least favorite of the original series? It's craziness. We're, this is Brianna's universe. We're all just living in it. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I was certain that we could all agree on at least this: that the without a doubt the undisputed worst series in Star Trek history is Enterprise. Uh, you you start with the theme song, and that's really my argument ends and starts. <laughs> <the theme song. laughs> that's, that's about where I stop watching too, so that works for me. <laughs> uh, and Scott, you made the point on several episodes of Random Trek. You've got you've got Scott Bakula, who is a fairly winning, likable actor, and you give him you make him grumpy and unapproachable. Great idea. Yeah. Perfect. I, I say that all the time. It's like. You take one of the most likable, you know, I mean, Sam Quantum Beckett Leap. is such a yeah. wonderful character. Let's make and, him a grumpy and, Gus. Yeah, and he never smiles. The only time he ever has fun is that Mirror Universe episode. And it's a blast. It's no good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. I, I think seasons three and four of Enterprise are underrated. I, I do. Radically underrated. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the la- well, that last season with Manny Cotto uh, running it and and making it, uh, let's pick up all the little threads from the original series and make it sort of the bridge to the original series rather than making it. I I would actually go and say this is one of those examples too of the exhausted writing staff because by those last two seasons of of Enterprise, the exhausted writing staff was gone and it was mostly newer writers and you could see that they were trying new things the you know Brandon Braga and Rick Berman were much less involved or not involved and then they came back for the finale which was terrible the the thing the thing for, for me with with enterprise is once Manny Cotto got the reins that show got exponentially more consistent and yeah. it is why it is why i will say loud and proud cotto or gtfo it's it's too bad that uh in fact, ironically, the show that I, I didn't know why it existed, uh, right when it got to the point where they canceled it, was when I thought, oh, I actually like watching this again. And then it was gone. <laughs> it was like Enterprise <laughs> just got there and they killed it. I wanted to learn more about that temporal Cold War. That, that, oh, my God. So bad. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, the two-parter in the Mirror Universe was awesome. Yeah, yeah it, it certainly had its high points. I'm not going to say it was all bad. And the, the final season was great, not just because it was the last season. Uh, but <laughs> Going in, that's what we thought. But it turned that out it was great. actually not bad. 
The best episode was the last because it killed Star Trek forever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. wait! It's such a what bad last episode. Such, of such a bad episode. Yeah, exactly. What la- what oh. last All right, Scott. I, I think you've. I think you made a popular choice. But let's move on. Moises, do you have a? Do you have a choice for worst Star Trek series? You're going to sign on to one of these. If I have to pick, mm-hmm. you do. <laughs> it's it is our way. If I have to pick, it's uh, you know, airing in different markets and everything. Be damned. If I had to put Voyager and Enterprise on an even keel, I unfortunately have to sign on with Enterprise too because when I actually went back and watched the first couple seasons of Voyager, it's actually way better than than people had had said that it was. The first couple seasons of Enterprise get endlessly mired in, <laughs> yep. you know what? We need, guess what, guys? Everything was building a nice head of steam. We had some great character work going on. We need to do some of this boring temporal Cold War crap again. Yeah. For no good reason. Yeah. And and it showed how totally embattled that show was where, you know, you look at the special features on the Blu-rays that they've been putting out where they've been very candid about what a fraught production it was where they had like 25-year-old executives in the network going, hey, so is there like any way that we could have there be like a band that plays <laughs> on the ship <laughs> where every week we have like Muse come in and they're like, future muse and play a song or something that 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 vulcan chick is pretty hot how about some like decontamination oh. gel decontamination that they could get gel. all naked and rub it on each other that'd be cool man i mean it could be like the sailor moon transformation sequence but way exploitative <laughs> okay so that's another vote for enterprise another brick in the wall tony what's your what's your choice uh yeah, I'll just throw another brick in the wall for Enterprise. I have not actually oh. I've seen less than one entire episode of Enterprise, so that's not a fair Brilliant. brick. But it's okay. where my brick is. All right. Um, you you should see the mirror mirror episode. It's yeah, really are, good. Are, it's those are, really those are pretty good. great. Brianna, yeah. you've convinced me to give Voyager a chance and I'm gonna do that. Yeah. <laughs> right, one person go. at a time. I don't I don't I don't need somebody coming out of the woodwork that's and selling me good. an Enterprise. The only people I know no. who are really in Enterprise have taste profiles that are not compatible with mine. <laughs> <laughs> that is the nice the most diplomatic way I can say they don't like good stuff. I have a power song on my iPod for when I'm I do you know when you're out running and you're like, oh I can't go any further and then you like you kick in your power song is the Enterprise theme song from the Mirror Mirror episode yep. because it okay. is so awesome. Like you feel like the world is gonna end. I will check that out. Yeah. Maybe the best thing that Enterprise has to offer us is a single MP3 file. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good song. That could be yeah. and the last yeah theme. the last season is not it's bad good. until the end. Tholians. When it is very bad. Yeah Tholians. I like Se- Tholians. Uh, sequels I'm familiar with their web. web. I <laughs> wish <laughs> to Paul had been on Deep Space Nine. She's a good. Character. She was wasted. Good character. Yeah. On, uh, Enterprise. Tremendously wasted. A lot of bland characters on Enterprise, though, and and then and then even like Scott Bakula gets wasted, but a lot of bland characters. But Porthos, he's cute. So. He, nice dog, <laughs> but like Tucker and Tucker and 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 Travis and Man, I mean, bringing a dog and, and that other face. guy are like all interchangeable, <laughs> boring guys. I do There's, like Doctor Flox. Well, Doctor Flox is fun. Bringing a, um, bringing a dog fine. into space. I mean, the Russians did that. That's like sure. OG. But like bringing Stuff. a dog to the workplace, you're that guy who's got his dog in his cubicle, and then the, it comes to meetings with you. It's He's like, the captain; he can do what he wants. Yeah, you know what? I worked for that guy, and that was. You know, I don't. I don't need my escapism to have that guy. Well, in it. I, I so. grew. I I grew up with a beagle. I have a beagle. I I was like, the captain has a friggin' beagle. Come on, guys. That is 
such hardcore fan service. In J.J. Abrams' uh, first Star Trek movie, there's actually a reference to Enterprise, of all things. And it's that Scotty reveals that he... Um, Accident, or not accidentally, he he tested oh, his mm-hmm. transporter yeah. technology on Admiral <laughs> Archer's beagle, and and uh, and Kirk says, "What happened?" And he says, "I'll tell you when it reappears." <laughs> off oh, off screen animal evisceration. Scotty, you killed the you you killed the. Technically, dog. it's not eviscerated. The pattern's yeah. just degraded. The pattern degraded in the buffer. <laughs> That's, what happens. That's the way I want to go. Yeah. but I, you know, the, he'll the he'll reappear in a Dyson sphere. It'll be yeah, fine. It's fine. The the little things that I did like about Enterprise, unfortunately, just the, those first two seasons dragged down impossibly. I really did dig the idea of hey, let's do an away mission and we're wearing baseball caps and we've got the dog and we're gonna <laughs> you know we're yeah, like a barbecue later whatever Enterprise pitch. Yeah, David, what's your choice? I look at characters like. Neelix and Harry Kim and and Chakotay and I still have to pick Enterprise. Um, <laughs> those those for and, and I'll I'll say the first three seasons. I just yeah. it is boring. It is it's just I don't know. It's 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 like this time suck. You know, and and I find myself reading, or you know, hey, what's 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 over here? And oh, there's still a show on. Okay, uh, watching episodes of Quantum Leap. You yeah, well, thinking about how would this have been really good if if Sam Beckett leaped into Archer, and then he would be fun. Um, <laughs> but you know, again, once Manny Cotto comes in, boom. Yeah. Um, I just too late. Know, <laughs> and oh, too yeah, late. it's just. I can't. I can't watch it. I mean, I I go back. I, I'm picking up Voyager episodes that I haven't watched. I still can't get through that first couple of seasons of Enterprise. You know, I get. Wow. I I watched one because it was on Random Trek, and I wanted to be able to follow the conversation. Hmm. And and it was fine. Is that the one where Doctor where everybody's asleep? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doctor Flox is good. Yeah. See, that's yeah. why that's a Flox and, and episode. Porthos yeah. has a good part and, in that too. So. Yeah, and, and, and up, up and, to about uh, two thirds of the way, I'm I'm there. And then two thirds of the way through, it goes. Oh, by the way, this is still an Enterprise plot. Oh yeah. God, what did you do? You, you had you were go- you were going somewhere. Enterprise has basically gotten four votes out of out of uh, out of the five we've had so far. So I think it's it, it has won this election of shame. Um, so as a result, uh, for my pick as the last voter, I'm just going to pick the animated series because that's not even Star Trek. It doesn't even count. Forget it. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> take that. James du- James Dewan does all the voices though. All the voices, <laughs> every last one. So uh, let's move on, uh, it, and we've been going for an hour. So I want I want this to move quickly. There's All not right. that many to choose from. You're gonna you're gonna give me your choice and 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 a, and a few sentences about it, and then uh, everybody else just needs to. Uh, we'll just we'll do this quickly. But we're gonna talk about the movies. There are many movies to choose oh, from. I want to. I'm gonna go through and ask you for your favorite, and then I'm gonna go through and ask you for what you think the worst Star Trek movie is. And we're gonna start with Moises. The worst. The best. Start with the, the best. best. We're okay. going to end on a negative note, so we'll start with the best. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and this can be, you know, again, it's not a draft. What would you like to? What would you like to speak for? I was, I was waffling. I was waffling between two different ones, and uh, and I, I'm going to get assailed again, and I'm going to make a lot of That's people okay. mad. J.J. Abrams is 2009 Star Trek. I, I, I hey Moises, I, I uh, choice. I have That's thought about choice. choosing that too. Actually, I I've, yeah. I've watched that movie a lot. 
the reason I'm choosing it A is because I assume nobody else is going to choose it, and because I because <laughs> Not I want to draft, but still, yes, okay. Uh, well, I, I know. I'm just saying it, it's it's uh, it's something that I I have a feeling somebody might pick it for a different category. I'm not going to say which category. No spoilers. Um, the thing that I love about it is that it provides an entry point to Star Trek for people who actively actively resist getting anywhere near Star Trek for the longest time possible. Now, whether whether the the movie itself is a Star Trek fan's cup of tea, for me, the reason that I think it is the best movie is because of the function that it serves for the canon as a whole. It provides an entry point for people that were, oh, Star Trek's stupid, Star Trek's boring, and granted, it is not like a bunch of other Star Trek, but there is going to be that person that gets into Star Trek from the Abrams movies. Yeah that goes back yeah. and looks at TOS and looks at TNG and destigmatizes Star Trek as something that, you know what, you jackasses, the nerds were right all along. It's great. It distilled <laughs> for me, and we talked about this when we talked about the original series and Brianna's reaction to it and all that. This this movie distilled for me what, the things I loved about it while bringing it into a modern context. It took those characters and and some of the aspects of the show and said, okay, it's been 50 years. Uh, let's take another crack at this and um i think mm-hmm. successfully i i wouldn't rank it first but i would rank it highly so thumbs up yeah it's, I agree. it would be in it would be in my top three or four that yeah, that that is I mean, my that is my basis i think i've got it at number basis. three in my in my list if i was ranking if, them so yeah if if i were if if i were picking personal favorite it would probably end up being star trek six oh, interesting mm-hmm. okay to- tony hi your turn um, yeah uh i will choose uh the voyage home uh, as oh oh no I've chosen wrong I love no. whales <laughs> Star Trek Four is a lot of fun I hate dolphins hate dolphins but love whales Ensign no. Darwin approves of your choice by the way your favorite Star Trek oh. character from George Star Trek and Gracie also approve approve no yeah. um and you know maybe I'm channeling a little bit too much uh, my favorite movie as opposed to the best movie um I have seen uh. Uh, I have seen, I've watched that one more than any of the other Star Trek movies, uh, even though I prefer the next-gen movies. But, you know, when you look at your options for next-gen movies, uh, your options aren't great. Um, so I really there like are two Voyage movies Home. and two extended episodes. Mm. <laughs> yep. Um, extended is generous. Um, so I think this movie has a lot of crossover appeal um, in terms of... Yes. I mean, some people might even say, like, well, it's not a Star Trek movie because normal people can like it. Um, but <laughs> but it, I was, think it, it was. It was a hit. Yeah. Yeah, with regular and, you know, old but, people, and it's you know it's really funny. It still has a has a cut you know a neat Star Trek story to it. Um, so yeah, I, I love I love Voyage Home. I, I'm okay with whales, Captain. And I, the bring it, bring room it, is whale exploding haters. with colorful metaphors. Thumbs up, <laughs> double dumb double dumbass on you, Moises. Um, I don't know why I picked you out there. I feel like they, that does one of the better like time traveling back to like we're yeah. going to conveniently shoot this in present day for budgetary reasons than any other version of that. So. San Francisco. I was born there. <laughs> I was born there. And it has so many great moments with Scotty talking through the, the mouse computer. Yeah. Yeah. Cute uh, will you, uh, Kirk selling the glasses that McCoy gave him, and Spock is like, Captain, that was a gift. And Kirk is it like, will be again. It will be again. What is this, the Dark Abram, Ages? Abram cites, uh, there's a reference to this in, in the Abram Star Trek too, because uh, there's the uh, Spock tells Scotty something. Uh, from the future about transwarp beaming, which is how Scotty invented it, which is just like when Scotty teaches the guy how to make uh, transparent aluminum. It's the same thing. Scotty, captain of the USS Paradox. Yeah. 
it gets to be really funny, but the characters are still very much them. It's True not like we suddenly yeah. have like McCoy throwing pies at people or something. It's like you know they know <laughs> right. who the characters are, right. and they're, they're able to have funny things with them. Doctor McCoy, would dialysis. Never throw pies. What is this? He would, he would prescribe salad. Yeah, doctor gave me a pill and grew me a new kidney. I love that moment. That's a great oh. moment. The little old lady in the hospital. Uh, David, what's your uh, what's your choice? Oh, Wrath of Khan. I yeah. mean, hands down. I yeah. can't. You know, my second favorite Star Trek movie is so far away from Wrath of Khan in I quality know. because it's it is operatic. It is the first time Jim Kirk genuinely faces death and faces something and learns something. And of course, yeah, he winds it back and erases it in the, in the next movie but we didn't know that then mm. and uh, you know it's it's the one time we, at least in the movies where he has an adversary that's worthy of him where he has to use his brain and he can't just sleep with a hot chick to get out of whatever it is you know it's it's like you get to see him as a tactical genius which he supposedly is you get to see him playing poker essentially and and you get Ricardo Montalban chewing every inch of the scenery that Shatner hasn't. Um, you also get his most mature relationship with a woman, with Carol Marcus. And, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so many levels to it. And, and you know, I, I credit Nick Meyer with putting many of those levels in. Um, but it is just, I mean, there are things in that that I still think about how they all connect. I still have huge chunks of the dialogue stuck in my head. I love all the other good movies, but that one, I mean, that would be on my Desert Island discs. That would be one of the five I would yeah. take to the island. I can't rewatch it because the yeah. SETI eels are too scary. Oh, my wife is the same way. She saw it when she was I don't young want something was... to crawl in my ear. I they feel put creatures in our bodies, <laughs> made us I, say lies, I, do I have, things. I have extremely strong feelings about that. I just love that Kirk and Carol Marcus have sent everyone else off into the Genesis cave and they have this really intense, you know, like one of the most serious conversations you'll ever see in Star Trek. And Chekhov is lying in the back of the cave going, oh, don't (laughs) make me listen to this captain. Too much information. He can't can't hear anything. He's just got uh, steel blood in his ear. I had uh, the strangest dream. Yeah, I think, yes. I, I Of course, David, you know, we, we did a whole episode about it. I'm with you there. <laughs> That's right. Brianna, what do you think? I, I have to agree. Yeah. I think there are so few movies that are of that quality that you would not change a single scene of them. And I just, you know, I watched it in reverse. Like, I mean, you know, like I grew up in the 90s, fell in love with Voyager, and then I started watching the original movies. And... It's it's just so far in a way the best script the best acting um, I just I I couldn't say a single bad thing about it. Um, the movie's I, less scary yeah. if you watch it in reverse too because the, the eels just come out. Of it. <laughs> well, it comes back to life. <laughs> the bomb you de- detonates. Yeah. They take eels and you put out on of the and they moon, and That's a good evening. And it ends when they drop Khan off on a desert planet at the end. <laughs> I I literally cry every single time that Spock dies. Yeah. Like I've, I want to cry Which, just yes. thinking about Spoilers. it. That is the most I have yes. ever cried in a movie theater. Oh. Yeah. The I mean the the moment. I mean, I get sad when Spock dies. It's when Kirk's voice catches, and, you know, his was the most oh, man. Human. human. You know, it's like, I know. oh, God. I don't know. It, for me, it's the moment where uh, where where Kirk gets the call. Better come down here. Better yeah. hurry. Oh, yeah. That's, it starts now. And he looks yeah. at the chair, and the chair is empty. Times. Oh, I'm getting chills like, right now. I have now. to go. Yeah. Scott? 
Well, I liked Star Trek too, also because the that's the first Star Trek where you feel like Kirk's actions actually have consequences. Yeah, and stuff, yeah. bad things just happen to exactly. him because he's just been gallivanting about the galaxy. Um, but I'm not going to pick it because uh, it is, in fact, my favorite one. But I will pick. Sure, uh, you're going to do what I'm going to do, which is just yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay, Scott and I are in complete agreement then. Okay, go, Scott, go. Go for it. First Contact was, I feel like, uh, Generations is, I guess, technically the first Next Generation movie, but it had Captain Kirk in it, and Scotty was in it, and he kind of, you know, stole the show a little bit. So the really first Next Generation movie, for me, was First Contact. Yeah. And it was just fantastic. Uh, A lot of fun. I love the Borg, so anytime the Borg on a big screen with a big budget, you've got me sold. The Borg Queen is great, creepy character. Uh, Zephram Cochran uh, is fantastic. Yeah. Deanna Troy getting drunk is fun. Uh, Reg Barkley makes an appearance. Yay! So, of course, a little near and dear to my heart. Uh, is it a cinematic wonder? No, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard goes crazy. Uh, and and I just like it. it. It is my second favorite Star Trek movie after Wrath of Khan. I feel like it gets short shrift. People kind of wave away the next generation movies, but it's a really, really good movie made on not a big budget, but they did they did a lot of they did a lot of good stuff with it. It's a great combination of the you know it's time travel back in time, but it's distilled in our future. Lots of fun, lots of action, uh, really great action on the ship. Um, some great character moments. You broke you know a line must be drawn here. You broke your little ships. All of that mm-hmm. stuff. I, I do I I love it. I think it is. I would rank it second, and then the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek third. But it, it's you get to it, see Picard's big old biceps yeah. doing yeah. hand over hand climbing. Da- great great yeah. data moments. There's that great action sequence when they're out on the deflector dish with Worf, and he ties the guy's like arm around oh, yeah, him as a tourniquet. Great. And oh my god, lots of great stuff in that. In that. it's <laughs> yeah. worth mentioning, even well, though it's not Rathacon. Deanna yeah. Troy getting drunk is the most a woman gets to do in the Next Generation movie. So I'm with you. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, well, actually, I like I like Alfred Woodard. It's kind of a thankless part, and yet she she uh, oh, ends up she's... being the moral compass for for Picard in that. In yeah, that. She's, which, really yeah. she's the moral she's compass really for Picard and Zephram Cochran. In fact, yeah. <laughs> which which you don't <laughs> often get to yes. see. And I love when she's like, Borg. Is that sweet? Yeah. And Borg Queen is a great Borg Queen is a great character. Alex Krieg does oh, a really man. great job with the Borg Queen too. Yeah, yeah. Where's Alfred Woodard's statue in the Star Trek yeah. universe? Zephram Cochran got one. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Typical. Typical. Uh, very very post-nuclear war of them to do that. It's it's a great example of what an outstanding director Jonathan Frakes is. Oh, there you and, go. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really it, – it really deeply bothers me that, uh, that, that he basically – you know, he got thrown to – you know, here, go do the Thunderbirds movie after Insurrection. Yeah. Um, b- because he, he is – and he's to this day one of the best, sharpest TV directors out there. Alongside of another one of his Star Trek colleagues, uh, uh, Roxanne Dawson. Yeah. So uh, let's let's move on and end on a negative note. We're going to let everybody bring out their dead. <laughs> the Star Trek movie that you just can't take. David Lore, we're going to start with you. For a long time, for a long time, it was Nemesis. Because, I mean, there are two good words in the whole film, and they're Irving Berlin. That's it. Mm-hmm. I- um, I thought you were going to say blue sky. Yeah. No, God no. Um, I'm not an Irving Berlin fan. Anyway, um, I mean, yeah, the best scene in, in Nemesis was a deleted scene, which would have made the film marginally less awful. But the movie that right now, for me, I cannot stand, and and it's I've I've flipped on this in the last year, 
is Into Darkness. Oh. Because, because it has some great stuff in it. But the more I think about it, the less it makes sense. And the thing that pisses me off about it, and boy, this pisses me off. When uh, the spoilers got out about Wrath of Khan, oh, Spock's going to die, Spock's going to die. He was supposed to die halfway through the movie. So Nick Meyer shut it down, rewrote the whole thing so that it starts off with Spock dying. And then, oh, that must have been what they were talking about. So that Spock's actual death at the end hits you even harder, right? When the news got out about, hey, Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be Khan, what did J.J. Abrams do? He went, no, he isn't. And that's it. And he kept going with the movie he had as if this was going to be a big surprise. Oh, oh, he's really Khan. Oh, yeah, I know. I lied. Just makes me angry. But I love a lot of it. <laughs> there are conflicting reports as to as to the actual the actual everything that happened behind the scenes in terms of who wanted to keep what secret and who wanted to make that character. Hold on. I'm just saying <laughs> I do not lay all the blame on JJ Abrams because he's the director. Cause this is something that people do all the time. The director is not oh, the oh, person at fault for everything you dislike so, about so, a movie. Hold on, hold on. I'm just saying, well, no, no. So what I'll say is, um, I don't think, uh, I don't think information roll out of a movie is legitimate criticism of the movie, but your opinion <laughs> is noted. Uh, Brianna, it's your turn. Oh man. Oh, that's it's it's really tough. It's a tough question. Um, it's hard to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> or it's hard to choose from so many bad movies. Either way, you nope. know, for a long time it was the one with the whales. Because <gasps> I'm sorry, it's <gasps> so Tony. Dumb. She oh, doesn't God. even know the number. She doesn't help, even know the help, number. Help me. So dumb. I'm oh, sorry. Don't worry, Tony. This is a safe place. Going I think you're. Time. I believe you're speaking about Star Trek Four: A Voyage right. Home. <laughs> the, the Voyage, voyage Home. What is that? Just a voyage. Sorry, I'm emotional because someone's threatening my whales. Ensign Darwin it's, is very upset it's, now. It's cool, like being in a in a stolen Klingon ship. Like that's kind of cool, but it's just so campy and like transparent aluminum, and it's it's just so wow. much about it is bad. But that said, like, I actually, I've been arguing with Frank, my husband, about which one's the worst. And he actually made me sit down and watch all these in oh, one no. epic weekend. And again, I, again, I, against I, your will is the worst part. But no, anyway. no, 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 no. Like, let's decide objectively which one is mm-hmm. worse. And I don't think it's the worst one. I think that you have to say Star Trek Insurrection is the worst one. Um, everything from data, like... You know, being used as a flotation device, like from <laughs> from you know two women talking about their boobs being firmer, oh. to like you know plastic surgeons. As, like, oh yeah, the F. Murray Abraham's bad guy with the staple gun you know, face. Yeah, um, it's just Klingon blemishes. It's bad from every conceivable angle that could be bad, and I understand what they were going for. Like a dark federation is making difficult choices because they're about to lose. That's a cool idea for a series. And I, I thought the, the design of the Enterprise was actually one of the best ships in all of Star Trek. But it just, it fails in every way a movie can fail. I, yeah. I don't think there's much you can say is good mm. about it. Yeah. Yep. That's not a good one. Scott, what's your, <laughs> what's your choice? Well, now I'm, I'm questioning my choice because I agree with Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Uh but Insurrection uh, is awful, awful, awful. It's boring. Uh, it, it makes little sense. Um, yeah. And it is just, uh, don't watch it. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's even worse than Star Trek V. 
Yes. Wow. And that's saying a and lot. And that's saying something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Moises, what do you think? Enough people who said insurrection. I'm going to go with the one that, that for me is worst, totally for sentimental reasons uh, and not not because of the qualitative judgment I have for it. And it's also the reason that I can't I can't say Wrath of Khan is my favorite one of the movies anymore. Um, my younger brother and I watched all these movies all the time. Uh, he was autistic. And Star Trek was one of the things he loved deepest and most dearly on the planet. And uh, in I think it was about 2010, he got cancer. And my mom went on this tour of taking him to Star Trek conventions and paying the exorbitant amount of money so that he could see all the actors and, the, you know, and take pictures with them and do that kind of thing. And he was particularly fixated on uh, the the uh, the the uh, the magical device of Star Trek Three reviving Spock as he w- he was clinging to this kind of you know reincarnation thing. There was no way that he was going to you know lose to cancer and, and that sort of thing. Huh. And uh, the thing the thing that just makes it to where for for me I just can't I can't watch it, which you know could be. Related to the same reason a lot of people dislike the movie because they're like, oh, it's just a cop out. Nobody really dies in this universe. Um, is that he finally went and saw uh, William Shatner at a show, and uh, he, you know, uh, the captain got briefed on what was going on with my brother, and he he said, I need you to look me right in the eye, and I'm going to give you a direct order, and I need you to I need you to listen to your mother, and I need you to uh, to be to be well behaved and fight the cancer, fight it. And it, like it was, it was like a like a, a, a wrath of Khan level of conviction uh, that uh, that he gave this thing, and uh, and for me, it's it's emblematic in, in where just talking about any part of Star Trek or Star Wars or anything, what we consider best and worst, there there are those really deeply subjective things about them that aside from creaky production values or overtly misogynist narratives or um, you know favorite characters being mistreated or something like that. Um, you know, that, that for me makes me reflect on, on the way that I feel about all of this stuff and, um, and made me think about things through, through a different lens in terms of, of what I like and, and, and what I don't like and the reasons that I'm convinced that I like or don't like them. And I've probably brought the room way, way down yeah. and taken us on a, on a, on a totally unfun, uh, path. But, um, but for me, it's when, when I think about worst or that I like the least, um, because I have such deep personal connections to so many bits of, of Trek, uh, that's, that's where my head goes. Cool. All right. Thanks for sharing that, Moises. I appreciate it. Um, Tony, what's your deeply personal story? No, I'm sorry. Don't oh. even try that. Just what do you, <laughs> what movie do you not like? What? Oh. Show us on the dolphin where it... <laughs> <laughs> they do that. You know, you can't trust a dolphin. I I, yeah. I never trust a dolphin. They're like sharks. That Don't have, go swimming with yeah. them. With smiles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> all right. I will go for like, we we beat on Insurrection and Nemesis uh, a bunch, which they totally deserve. Uh, the other Star Trek movie that I cannot make it through rewatching uh, that does not have eels in it um, is Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Oh yeah, really. Um, which I think is just yeah. the motionless yeah. picture. Well, in like hour four, there's an eel. <laughs> uh, I think it's just it's really boring. It has all these extended special effects sequences that maybe were really exciting at the time. They, but no, just they weren't. They, no, okay. I I don't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of shots of people watching the extended special effects sequences. And yeah. 
It's got, I mean, it's it's also, I mean, the, the saddest thing about it is like, this was like Star Trek after there was no Star Trek for 10 years, right? Yeah. And this basically ends up being Star Trek's The Phantom Menace. Um, because there's so much of the good parts of the original series that are stripped out of this, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's not fun. It's not very interesting. There's some kind of neat cerebral stuff with, with the plot, but even the plot is kind of a retread of, they've already done this episode of Classic Trek, yep. right? And then yeah. this movie's more than two hours long when, guess what? There was about as much plot as one episode of Classic <laughs> Trek. So I just find it really boring and just devastatingly disappointing after 10 years without Star Trek. It, it's a bad it's a bad movie, I think, too. I And I and yet I feel like there's probably a decent movie in it. And there is yeah, a director's cut version that is better than the original that was released. Is it about two. 65 minutes well, shorter? It, it's shorter. <laughs> um, I, you know, they spent a lot of money on those effects, and the whole idea was like, oh, Star Wars has got effects, and we got this big yep. model, and we can make these beautiful model shots of the Enterprise, and let's show them all with music playing. And it goes on. In, in fact, many of these shots are reused at the beginning of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, yeah. and those are the most boring scenes in Wrath of Khan, and they're just tiny <laughs> clips from I am sure that a studio executive thing. ran a formula and determined the Star Trek, the motion picture, would be oh. great. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and so so I really, I really agree with you about that, although I feel like there is a better movie in here than even the director's cut if there had been more restraint with the editing and reduced it it wouldn't have been a great movie but it would have been better i mean it, it, you can you can talk yes. about some of the issues with decker and ilea and how this is a retread of that changeling episode with uh, nomad right it's it's not it's not that different um and it's sort of roddenberry at his worst uh, too, and it is a TV script actually from their failed reboot in the mm-hmm. '70s of Star Trek, and so there shows- isn't anything there. Um, so- hey, Gene, you got a new script for us? Hold on a minute, let me brush the dust off of this yep, one. It's about right. thirty years old. <laughs> well, no, no. In fact, this was more like uh, they uh, they were going like to start their own TV old. network, and it failed. Oh. And mm-hmm. it, but they had the scripts and they had the sets, and they're like, well, then let's just do a movie. And they guys, we've got all these sets from Genesis Two. No, the, they were Star Trek <laughs> no, Phase Two sets. Yeah, they were going to make a yeah, new Star a Trek series, and it story. fell through. And they reused this script, and they re- reused actually a couple other scripts for Next Generation episodes. And then they were like, "Let's cash in on yep. all this the Star Wars thing the kids are into." Yeah, exactly. One, one of the things that, that's yeah. really fascinated me is that the Warner Archive collections put out on DVD some of the various TV pilots of Gene Roddenberry's that totally failed, like uh, Genesis Two, Questers, oh, wow. Quester wow. tapes. Oh, those yeah. are. Do you guys remember amazing, all the yeah. horrible shows that were on in like the mid '90s that were Gene Roddenberry something? Andromeda. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. inspired by a note that Gene Earth Roddenberry fire, like fire fire put his grocery list on. Actually, you know, Andromeda, Andromeda wasn't that wasn't that bad a show. It was it would have been better as a Star Trek show uh, mm-hmm. because the whole idea was <laughs> what if the Enterprise got caught around like a black hole and came out uh, uh, like a thousand years later and the Federation had fallen apart. Um, it was kind of a neat idea, you know, and then it was like Kevin Sorbo and yeah, well, you know, it was a syndicated weekend TV show. Can I end us on a positive note about that movie? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh, about motion picture? Sure. And yeah, then I, I will yeah, finish yeah. this off by taking Absolutely. this negative again. But go ahead. No. Oh, God. Oh, man. You defeated me. You yeah. defeated Mirror me. universe. So, <laughs> it's like Nemesis, but on a podcast. <laughs> No, I I obviously oh. agree. It's not. It, it doesn't fit in the the Star Trek feel, uh, you know. Overall, I that's it. I do think there is some good in this movie. I think the uh, I think the Decker Kirk scenes are amazingly tense, mm. and I just I, I feel it, 
when Shabner's at the top of his game and he's really acting, I think he's really good. I think he sucks the rest of the time. Like, <laughs> TJ Hooker yeah. or, you know. Let's Tim not, let's not forget to talk about his writing. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> but, but I really, like, I think those scenes and the friction between them are really intense. Yes. Like, it's, it's good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I think for a sound design perspective, um, of course, like the endless shots of CG, I mean, not CG, like Model special shots, effects yeah. going through, through space set to classical music are bad. But I think like this scene where, you know, time is slowing down, it's dilating, you know, Decker belays the order. So they fire the, oh, the wor- where they're in the wormhole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really cool example of sound design, building attention in a scene in a way that you could never, ever, 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 ever make in a 2014 movie. And I think it's cool. I think it's retro cool in the same way. I think TLS is sometimes retro cool. It, so. it, it bothers me because I felt like there was no reason for that to even happen right, in that movie yeah, other than yeah, that they yeah. wanted to do something cool with the warp drive that we hadn't right. seen before. So it's yeah. like, oh, the warp drive wasn't set up right. So we had a wormhole, but now we're fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my, my negativity is going to be, I do, like I said, I think there's some stuff that can be salvaged out of the movie. I think that it needed an edit. Um, I'm going to pick the final frontier only because everybody has already picked my number one pick, which was insurrection, which is really, truly (laughs) bad. And nemesis is also not very good, but I, I can't endorse it as the worst only because it is literally the only, well, no, the final frontier and nemesis are the only Star Trek movies I've only seen once. I saw final frontier Mm. in, in the movie theater. Um, it is not good and it's so not good in so many ways. The direction is bad. Some of the character interaction is okay. Some of the broad comedy, like when Scotty walks into that pipe, that is so awful. And, and the special effects are spectacularly bad. The story is that the guy who was supposed to do them, uh, and took their money, uh, didn't come through with the special effects. And so in desperation, they went to industrial light and magic and said, we need, we need help. Uh, and the, the, the release date is this. And they all laughed and said, okay, well, here's what we can do. We can whip up some, some basic stuff from our archive or maybe a few shots really quickly, but you got to give us like the contract for the next Star Trek movie and pay us in advance for that. And then we'll do both or something. This is the story. And as a result, there's some great shots in Star Trek V of the Enterprise, like, hanging in space at a weird angle that doesn't make any sense. And why are they like that? And is it just an error? And the answer is, yeah, pretty much it is. They they had no special effects and didn't know what they were doing. Um, Jason, why don't I pour you some of this Kentucky whiskey and you tell us how you really feel? What, what, did, uh, what does God need with a spaceship? Good question. Oh. Um, Good question. What does God need with this existence? And then there's this movie. And Cybok, oh. I, I, I decry oh. the existence of Cybok. Um, Share your pain, Jason. And, Share your oh, pain. Oh, man. Oh, man. So I need my pain. I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to throw in a vote for Star Trek V, Shatner's Folly. I remember being a child and watching that. And do you know that feeling when you're a child watching a movie and you're like, this is not good. Like, this plot is bad. Like, Never had even, that feeling yeah. as a child. I thought everything oh, really? was great. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I was very dumb as a kid. My dad took me to see it in the theater and he fell asleep. And, oh. uh, and when oh. I noticed he was asleep, it was during like the climax of the movie. And I woke him up and, and he leaned over to me and he was like, we should both take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Although it, it has a, a pool table that is actually a pool, and they play a game on it, feeding my and it obsession. Puts, that, yes. It nice. puts Uhura's burlesque background into canon. Oh, that's right. So, oh, that's that one. All right. Oh. So what we didn't get to this time is best and worst captain, overrated and underrated episodes, 
Um, and we, we didn't even get onto things like alien races, which we also need to do. So you know what's going to have to happen next? We're going to have to do another one of these sometime yeah. soon. Oh. Yeah. We will continue Best and Worst Star Trek Debate Club at another time. Uh, but this has been a pleasure, and it's getting late, so we're going to wrap it up here. Um, thank you to uh, my guests, uh, Brianna Wu. A pleasure as always, even though I am from <laughs> a mirror universe. I look forward to the angry tweets. How about oh, man. This, this you know, out. there's nothing. Gamergate is nothing compared to Star Trek Gate. This is what I'm saying. I'm just warming up. I'm just oh, warming man. up. Yeah. What will be next? I don't even want to know. Don't even say oh. it. I don't want to know. Uh, David Lore, thank you. Thank you. Moises Chuyan, it's a pleasure as always. Thanks for having me. I don't know what anybody else is worried about. I defended Deep Space Nine and J.J. Abrams. Ah, this is true. This is true. Uh, Tony Sindelar, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing your, uh, your your pain and your love of whales and dolphins with us. <laughs> I'm no so judgment. I don't know what to like anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And Scott McNulty, yeah, you, you have been and shall always be my friend. I was going to say that to you, Jason. <laughs> well, then say it. Uh, well, now you've done it. Oh. I, I, I'm just perplexed why, that people have opinions that are different than my own. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, doesn't compute. <laughs> Yes. Let's just start a round of row, row, row. Error. 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 I just like this for the record. I'm pro whale, anti dolphin, anti eel. <laughs> All right. Set, eel. set to eel. I, don't, I mean, set eels, yeah. Yeah. So. No, other eels, you're neutral on. I, I think, to be now, now that we've all had it out, let's go have some Tranya. I hope you relish it as much as I. Oh, my. Oh, my. And to everybody out there, thank you for listening to the latest edition of Best and Worst in Star Trek Debate Club or whatever we call it. Uh, We'll be back for more at at a future time because we just can't stop. We'll see you next time. Just a reminder, check out TheIncomparable.com for many other great podcasts that you will like, including Scott McNulty's Random Trek, which is about Star Trek, TV, we're breaking down every episode of Doctor Who this season, and also Sons of Anarchy, Total Party Kill, our D&D podcast, the brand new TV talk machine, where I talk to Tim Goodman of The Hollywood Reporter about what's notable on television, and we're even teasing a new season of The Incomparable Radio Theater coming soon. Also, be sure to check out my website, sixcolors.com. It's new. I don't work for Macworld anymore, and I appreciate your support.